Bible this morning, uh, grab it uh, or on your phone or under your, under your pew is a Bible, you can grab that. We are going to be looking at four verses today, Galatians 5, 22 to 26. It reads this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. I know I've said this before, but let me say it again. The word but is one of the greatest words that we can know as a follower of Christ. Not that but, right? Not that one, not the one that you're thinking of, but B-U-T, but. The conjunction that puts two thoughts together. And in the Bible, whenever you see the word but, circle it, highlight it, know it. Because it means that everything that was just listed before is now wiped away because of something that I am about to say. But. Examples? I'll give you an example. How about Ephesians 2, the second part of 3 through 5? By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. But. But. God is so rich in his mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by by God's grace that you have been saved. You get it? But? How about Romans 5, 7 and 8? Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God, but God, showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Here in our passage, we have one of those, one of those but statements as well. You know, one of the problems with preaching every week is that we have to break the Bible into bite-sized chunks so that we can go home and eat lunch, right? That, that's, that's one of the problems in preaching every week. Well, last week we stopped at the first thought of that but statement, and this week we're picking up the second thought, the but part. So let's put those two thoughts together, all right? Let let me just kind of backtrack from last week to last week's, the end of last week's passage. It says, Galatians 5, 19 to 23, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, 
hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you all again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Holy Spirit, there it is, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. You know, left to yourself, you end up following the desires of your sinful nature, don't you? I know I do. You become the person you clearly don't want to be. Sexual immorality, hostility, quarrelsome, a drunk, selfish, a dissenter. But, but, when we live our lives as a child of God, We get the opposite. We live the opposite. You see the two thoughts there? Here is left to our own, left to ourselves. Here's what happens. But God. And it's a whole different ballgame. Perhaps this last 18 18 months has, has really helped clarify this for you. I know it has for me. Isolation, the shutdown, loneliness, not getting out and doing things. Everything is just seemingly chaotic. I know for me, when when that happens, I begin to follow the desires of my sinful nature. I know that I have been a bit more selfish. I've been a bit more apt to quarrel. I have been angrier. You know when that happens most? When I spend a lot of time in my head. And I have all this headspace. And guess what we've had for like two years now almost? Lots and lots and lots of headspace. Lots and lots of time just to think and ponder. And you get lost. In your thoughts. You get stuck in a space where you don't see a way out. And it's this, this, this drain, you know, you start, your mind starts circling this drain and you just, things get worse and worse and worse. I know I tend to be a bit more jealous. I become envious. I become more divisive. Surely it's not just me, right? Right? I mean, I'll I'll pour myself out for you guys, but I know that this isn't just me. But, B-U-T, if we are in the Spirit, if we are drawing close, if we are leaning in, then He provides a different way. When we are in the Spirit, then we begin to produce fruit. Not apples and oranges. Not those delicious yellow plums that the McCready's brought last week. or the Well, that's not fruit, but might as well be. Sweet corn is 
well, it's the best, right? It's not that stuff. The fruit that begins being produced in us are not here for a season, but they endure for all of eternity. So this morning, I think Paul has three questions for us in Galatians 5, 22 to 26. Anybody knows like Doug Jansen like came up, he had three points. Like he's like a he's like preacher Doug. First question Paul has for us is what fruit is being produced in your life? Verse 22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Nine things begin to be produced in your life when you belong to Jesus. Nine. Anybody got these mastered yet? No? Carol? Donna? I mean, if it's not Carol and Donna, we're all in trouble, right? If so, and if you think that you have these mastered, I see that honesty is not on that list, right? These are things that take a lifetime to master. As long as we draw breath, we will have to work on all of these. Self-check time for all of us, though. Have you seen improvement in these over the last year? How about the last two years? How about the last five years? Paul was well thought out when he laid out this list. Notice which of those is first. Anybody? Love. Love. You know, this is a recurring theme with Paul. Love is always first. You guys know this one because if you've ever been to a wedding, you know this verse. 1 Corinthians 13.1, you guys can probably recite it with me. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Love is the branch that each of the other gifts on that list come from. That word love in verse 22 is the Greek word agape. It's the best kind of love. That is God love, a complete love. The other Greek words for love, they all talk about different kinds of love, like a romantic love or a brotherly love. Or, but agape love, that's complete love. That's selfless love. That's God love. And the type of love that dies for people while we were still sinners. That kind of love. And so what is produced in your life when you were in Jesus? Agape love in you and for other people. I was reading one scholar this week. He said, this is a love that you extend to all people, whether family members or distant strangers Agape was later translated into Latin as caritas, which is the origin of the word charity. C.S. Lewis referred to it as gift love, the highest form of Christian love. There is growing evidence that agape is in a dangerous decline in our country 
today, in many countries today. Empathy levels in the United States have declined sharply over the last 40 years, with the steepest fall occurring in the past decade. Is that a surprise to you, church? Is it any wonder that we have, as we have become more and more post-Christian as a country, that we have become less and less a people with agape love? Is, is it any wonder? We urgently need to revive our capacity to care about strangers. As we look at this list, wouldn't you say this is a list of what the world is lacking right now? Joy? Does it not seem that we have become a joyless, disheartened people? That same scholar went on to say, when a person lives in the sphere of love, then he experiences joy. The inward peace and sufficiency that is not affected by our outward circumstances. This holy optimism keeps him going in spite of difficulties. Love and joy together produce peace. The peace of God which passes all understanding, as Philippians 4.7 says. Peace. Is there any peace in the world today? Have you ever gone into a home where you... Where, where, where when you get there, you just have this sense of peace. You're like, man, this house has peace. I don't, I don't know what it is, but it's amazing. And if you're like me, you go into a house like that, you never want to leave. You just want to stay there. Because I would need peace in my life. I need peace from the chaos. How about patience and kindness? Do we, do we see an abundance of that in the world today? You know, in our house, we remind people so much about kindness that one little husky-voiced child will yell to the other when they are arguing, Kindness, sissy! Show kindness. Be kind. From what I can tell, if we are following Jesus correctly, we are growing in those areas of our lives. So the question becomes for each of us, is my life fruitful? Or is that something that starting this morning needs some attention and some care? Do I need to do some pruning? Or to allow God to do some pruning? Do I need some, to do some watering, some fertilizing? What in my life is causing fruit to not see growth in my life? Because as far as I can tell, we are to be increasing in all nine areas of our lives. And my question for us this morning, church, is are you? Question number two from Paul. Do you belong to Christ Jesus? 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. 
Now, probably I should have started here this morning, but it was in verse 24, and it was a little bit down the passage. Perhaps some of you this morning don't need to hear about fruit. Maybe some of you this morning need the answer to, may, need to answer the question, maybe for the first time, you need to answer the question, do I belong to Jesus? Am I a follower of Christ? Have I made the decision in my life to surrender to Him, to be baptized Have I made that choice to follow His example and enter the waters of baptism? Have I made that choice this morning? I want to be crystal clear with every one of us. When I get up here every Sunday morning and preach, it's not for a pat on the back. It's not to hear, good good sermon preacher. I'm not up here to, to motivate you to live your best life. I'm not up here to encourage you in your road on self-help. That's not what I'm up here for. I am up here because I have been called. I have given my life to share the life-giving good news about Jesus. Jesus has left his rightful place at the right hand of God to come to earth, and as Romans 8 tells us, to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus died so that we don't have to. Jesus came to give us an unbelievable life. And hear this, people. People have lied to you about what that unbelievable life means. It's not wealth. It's not health. It's not physical things, physical possessions, not the, none of that. No, the unbelievable life that Jesus offers us is life on mission with Him. A life spent with Him. And I don't mean when you go to heaven and die, when you die. Like, that's not what I mean. You, this morning, today, get to have a relationship with Jesus. An unbelievable relationship with Jesus. One that can never be replaced by anything else in this whole world the God-shaped hole in your heart that you try to fill with so many different things is only filled by Him. Only by Jesus. A life that is free of guilt and shame and hopelessness. A life that is marked by, by a peace that surpasses all understanding of a life lived with purpose. We get to have a relationship with the one that created the heavens and the earth. The one who set the stars in the sky and created the animals and the mountains and the streams. The one that has called us by name. That creator created us to live in communion with him, to live in relationship with him, and has given us the job of restoring his creation, all of it, to what it was meant to be. has given each of us the awe-inspiring task of helping people to find their way back to God. Perhaps there is someone here this morning that needs to hear this encouragement. God loves you. God loves you. He loves you so much that even if you are the only one that had ever sinned, He would have sent Jesus 
for you anyway. He is the God that leaves the 99 for the one. The God that constantly scans the hills for your return. For the return of His child. He is the God that 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that although He had no sin, became sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. And then again in James 2.10 says, whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty. Guilty of breaking it all. So if we break one single sin, it's as if we have broken them all. That means murder. That means infidelity. That means lying. That means all of it. Every one of us guilty, worthy of eternal separation from our maker. But, but, there it is, the, the, the B-U-T word that is so amazing. But, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The gift of God is eternity spent with Him through the gift of Jesus. His life, His death, His resurrection. This is the best news ever told. Amen? Don't let another minute go by. I will cut my sermon short. (laughs) If somebody wants to get baptized, let's do it. We'll do it right now. The last question then is are we living by the Spirit? Since we are since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. If we are Christ followers, then we must live by the Spirit. We must begin to follow the Spirit's lead, not just do whatever we want and ask God to bless it, because I know that happens for me a lot of times and probably for you. God, I'm going to do this thing. Can you please bless it? And make it go well. And God's like, you never asked me what I thought. Instead, they begin to bear fruit. The nine qualities that Paul lists in verses 22 to 23 are not things of which, if we try hard enough, we could simply do without help. Without the Spirit. If you suspect that someone who is being kind to you is having to try really hard to be kind to you, it kind of loses its flavor, doesn't it? The point of all of them, the whole point of the whole list, is that when the Spirit is at work, they will begin to happen. New motivations will begin to appear. Not, of course, that this process bypasses our thinking and are willing. We have to set our minds and intentions to do these things. It isn't a matter of just relaxing and doing what comes naturally. Because if we do what comes naturally, then you get more of what you've had the whole time. 
You know, another way to translate verse 25 is this. If we live by the Spirit, let's line up with the Spirit. Paul wouldn't need to urge the Galatians to line up with the Spirit, that is, to see the effect of the Spirit that the Spirit wants to produce, to reflect on how it will come about, and through our own moral effort, to let the life of the Spirit have its complete way. But the point is that when these qualities appear, with all their quiet joy, all their rich contribution to, to the sort of community that God intends and will eventually produce, they come like the fruit of an orchard. Not like ornaments on a Christmas tree that are only here for a season. They will truly be part of who we will have become. Church, I know the temptation for us is to take the easier way out. Did I go to church on Sunday? Check. Did I read my Bible this week? Check. Did I pray a couple times? Check. Did I pray before I ate? Yeah, check. Did I hold the door open for that old lady that she was struggling to come out of the store? Yeah, I did that. Check, check, check. Checklists are easier. Let's just be honest. If I can check a bunch of things off to prove that I'm a Christian, that's way easier, right? Can I tell you? While it feels good to check things off the list, there is a better way. Here's a better way. Line up with the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. Walk with Jesus. Get to know our Creator, our Father, who loves us so much that He sent Jesus for us to deliver us, to give us freedom, to give us purpose, to give us hope. Let's live with Jesus, sitting at His rightful place, on the throne of our hearts.